0: When a kid is really deliberately trying to um, work a situation, that's more behavioral. But when a child is having a big emotional reaction, or even if it's not big, but kind of covert, then we're going to attack and go towards how to help them cope with those
1: emotions. Mm -hmm.
2: Mental health challenges are often kept in the closet or even swept under the rug. We know they can affect anyone, from adults to children, and the struggle is real. Join us as we talk about relevant topics with mental health experts. Welcome to Equip Online, a place for hope and help.
1: Welcome to Equip Online. I'm Wally and this is Brian. And this week, we're going to be looking at some tips on how to help parents and young kids navigate and manage their emotions. Our special guest today is Dr. Lauren Pasqua. And Brian, if you would, tell us a little bit about Dr. Pasqua.
2: Absolutely. So no, it's really looking forward to this conversation. So Dr. Pasqua is the founder, executive director of the Connections Child and Family Center. (laughs) Uh, here in the in the Woodlands area, kind of where we're located. Um, so she has wanted to be a psychologist, I love this, <laughs> since reading a book for teen girls uh, during a turbulent year of middle school. So this is like <laughs> something that's been in you for quite a while, yes. this desire. I love that. Um, and then right after college, she entered a graduate program in the Atlanta area, and worked to get her doctorate in clinical psychology for five years of your life uh, dedicated to that. That's amazing. Um, she's passionate about working with children and families, um, especially our community's youngest members, infants, toddlers, preschoolers. Um, that's really where your heart is. And that's where you've devoted a lot of your career to that age group. So that's awesome. So Dr. Pasquad, can you tell us just uh, maybe in a minute or less, just maybe a little more about yourself? Anything sure. else you want to add to that?
0: Sure. So I'm a clinical child psychologist, and I own a group practice. So I have a team of fantastic therapists and other psychologists working for me. Um, and I started the group in the Woodlands area so that because I really felt there was a need for um, a lot of professionals who are very experienced and dedicated to working with kids and families. Um, I'm a mom myself. I have three kids, six, three, and one. And um, that has really even broadened my expertise, I think, and my ability to kind of connect with parents because I know personally that being a parent is one of the hardest jobs ever, um, especially working with, you know, kids' emotions and big feelings, which I think is a big part of what we're going to be talking about today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, I love I love that. Speaking of the topic, and so I think this is, I think we always strive to have relevant topics for these episodes, but this is certainly one um, with, you know, if, if you're a parent, And uh, you've got kids, we've been navigating a lot of new things, you know, uh, and as mid-August kind of hit for a lot of us, you know, even for me, I was in that boat where I was now not only a parent, but also spending even extra time with my first (laughs) grader and being a uh, teacher as well. And wearing all the hats. Yeah, right. And like kind of getting to know my child and even more uh, and, you know, seeing that, he doesn't always like doing his math and there's certain letters he doesn't like to write and seeing stress and seeing emotions right. and realizing that even me as a parent, I'm being stretched in a lot of different directions. So I think this is such a huge topic for us. Great. It's relevant. Uh, we we encounter this kind of thing every day in our homes and yes. in our environments. Uh, so I'm excited just to jump in this conversation. So I'm going to throw it over to Wally. Wally, if you want to kick yeah. us off and get So some,
1: some of us are a little older here, so uh, it may be? be, yeah, this... Oh, <laughs> I, I, I'm pointing to me. So okay. uh, <laughs> this may be more relevant to me with grandkids thinking about that. There you that. go. Um, go. it's still looks like
0: for sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so, a lot of grandparents have stepped in absolutely. Uh, to help. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. Especially
1: teaching. So right. we're so right. thankful for you guys. Grandparents can really leave a legacy. So uh, one of the realities, though, of being a parent is that. We do have to deal with our kids' uh, temper tantrums and even (laughs) our own meltdowns. And so when we find ourselves in a meltdown moment with our child, what should we do? How do we navigate that, Dr. Pasqua?
0: Okay. Well, I think one of the things I like to do when I'm talking with families about – Big emotions, big feelings in kids is I like to kind of give a framework to understand where those feelings are coming from and what is actually realistic um, to expect of your child in those situations. So I'm going to do that by kind of giving you a little description of the brain. So imagine that my arm and my hand together um, make up the brain. The, I'm going to hold my hand up next to my head. Okay, like this. And the inside of my wrist would be considered the brain stem. That's the oldest part of the brain, um, the part that's really like the lizard brain that's kind of keeping uh, our, our major organs going, our breathing, all of those kinds of things. And then if we look at our palm and the thumb folding over in the middle while the fingers are up, this part here in the middle with the thumb folded over would be the midbrain, which is the amygdala, the hypothalamus, the thalamus. These things are involved in emotion and in memory. And then over, if we fold our fingers down over the top of our thumb, then this part would be considered the, then we can think of the new brain, the cortex. This is our thinking and rational part of our brain where we make good decisions and we have logic. And that's usually what we think we're talking to when we're speaking to our child. But the reality is that when kids are upset, when parents are upset, that part of the brain is not online. So really, what happens is the the brain gets a message or some uh, you know a direction or um, something comes in, and it, the brain has to decide: is this a threat? Do I feel threatened? Is it not going the way I wanted? Uh, and that amygdala that I said was mentioning is involved in the the emotion makes that decision. And if it feels like there's a threat or something's going on that's not um, that's not good, then the lid pops up. And the lid being the fingers over the top. That's the the um, the new brain, right? Thinking brain. And when your lid is up, you're not really thinking clearly. And that's what's happening when kids are really emotional. Their lid, they flip their lid. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we know what that is. Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> and and so they're in this really old lizard brain state, right? Where they're, you, you can't really communicate with them. Um, it's just emotion, pure emotion. The fight, flight, or freeze response mm-hmm. is active. Their bodies are flooded with adrenaline. And they are just upset. So in order to calm the child and to be able to navigate these difficult situations, we have to get that lizard tamed. We have to calm the lizard down, (laughs) you know. Um, And so we can talk again about some ways in which parents can do that and can help that process, help facilitate that process. But I think this is a really great way to kind of frame the whole conversation Mm -hmm. and and knowing that you're not talking to a rational kid when Mm -hmm. they're really emotional. So asking questions and making demands is not going to work until we can calm that lizard.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's so good because I think so much of this butting of heads with our children, we're, we're really, you know, we're just, we're attacking, you know, attacking a problem and completely, it's like speaking a foreign language. We're just, and we're putting all that, we're, we get more and more frustrated and we're trying harder and harder. And it's just, we're just on a completely different lane. Like we're just not even connecting with them at all the way you described it. So I think it's it's a great beginning point to understand kind of that, that framework. And I, like you said, I think we're gonna get into in just a little bit about if that's going on, how do we get in on that same level to help them self-regulate? So I'm excited about that. But before we do, I know another concept, Dr. Pasquale, you talk about is this idea of capacity. Mm-hmm. And so just tell us a little bit about how capacity impacts us as parents and children. And unpack that just a little bit.
0: Okay, so first, think about this: that when your lid, when your child's lid is flipped, and they're out of control and they're emotional, it's pretty likely that your lid is starting to rise up if it's not flipped already.
2: Right? Never, I've <laughs> never done that. No. Uh,
1: it's a pretty
0: emotional situation to be in. You're feeling stressed, overwhelmed, yep. helpless. You know, and so that lid might be going up in reaction. Um, So that's especially true in situations where the parent might not be at full capacity. Um, And that can often be like at the end of the day, a long day, where we might have had a really busy day at work. We've had a lot of different obligations. We've been running around trying to, you know drive kids to all their activities, get homework done, whatever it has been. We're tired. They're tired. Our capacity is low. And we're not going to respond, perhaps, in our best state. And we're going to be more um, sensitive or, or likely to have our lid go up. And the same is true for our kids. So I think we always, as parents, we have a tendency to just expect the same response to the same kind of stimulus all the time. And that's not really realistic. It's not realistic for us. It's not realistic for kids. Um, And kids' capacity to manage their feelings, to manage their behavior, that fluctuates throughout the day from day to day. It depends a lot on different factors like sleep, appetite, stress. um, And then just like I said, the daily stresses of, you know, being at school and all of that. I find the afternoon is tends to be really like that witching hour. It is a really hard time Mm -hmm. for families.
2: Yeah, I've noticed the same thing. I, it seems like my kids, you know, that maybe four or five o'clock when they're home mm-hmm. from school, it's better just to give them a snack and let <laughs> them have their moment for a for while. Sure. Don't ask too much of them in that mm-hmm. period. They're Reduce just tired. Demands. They're kind of worn mm-hmm. out. Um, anytime we try to do something too productive in that time, it just never goes well. So I think to me, that's a capacity issue probably. Yeah. And I love into. how you
0: said, I've realized as a parent that the best thing to do is drop my demands.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And drop my expectations, lower the bar and mm-hmm. realize this is not the time that we're going to get a lot of big things accomplished <laughs> yeah, as a that's family. Good.
2: It's really good.
1: Awesome. It, it's fascinating to me because as I'm thinking about this uh, and the next question really has to do with uh, helping parents to be able to self-regulate and how do you help the kids do that? But as you were talking on that first question, I was brought back to what would happen frequently with our son. Um man, he could manipulate the system. He, he learned that because I would grab his arm and tell him to stop doing that and apply a little bit of pressure. And he would go into this, oh, you broke my arm mode. <laughs> so it wasn't the on the ground temper tantrum, you know, but I would say, you know, you're acting out of line. And then we would go into this and I was like, Oh my gosh. And we were at church one time when this happened. And I'm not kidding. A guy walked by that I knew that was a pyramid. And I said, would you check his arm out? You know, I told him what had happened. He goes, so he did. He said, I don't think it's broken, but I guess you'd have to get an x-ray to really know. <laughs> oh boy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So there's just all different ways that kids can, I mean, some may throw temper tantrums. Some may not learn how to manipulate a system to get themselves out of trouble and maybe that's a subject for another day Brian I don't know (laughs) it could be but it just comes to my mind in this that there's all different ways that it can look but how how do you so you've got that child with the their flip their lid and maybe by this point in the conversation I'm the parent I flip my lid too what advice would you give us as to be able to cut short of that where it doesn't escalate to that or we know with our kids it's going to from time to time How do we help them to learn to uh, navigate that and to self-regulate themselves as well? There's so so many things about what you
0: said that I'm excited to talk about. (laughs) Just so many of those things. So back to your example of your son and the squeezing of the arm and his big reaction. I'm wondering if you, you know, now that you are outside of the situation, can take a step back and think about how he interpreted that. Did he view that as a threat? Did his body and his brain feel like, I'm being threatened. I'm not safe. Yeah. And then we have this emotional reaction. Mm. We have a mm. physical reaction. Um, and the outward expression of that was uh, maybe a little, you know, your perception of being, it was kind of dramatic. Oh, you hurt me. But I wonder if internally he was feeling anxious, frightened, yeah, emotional. He,
1: he probably did. And thinking about that. But yet as a parent, I would say. He's acting out of line. Yeah. It's not that I shouldn't discipline him, but I can see where a child would, um, you know, that's typically not in trouble, would see that as a threat. Ooh, I'm not used to this, so I'm going into self-defense mode. So how how do we work with that?
0: Yeah. Well, I think it, one of the questions you had was more around uh, compliance and and following rules, which I think is... Maybe a little different than having an um, emotional reaction or a tantrum Um, because I view the way that we approach those differently. When a kid is really deliberately trying to um, work a situation, that's more behavioral. But when a child is having a big emotional reaction, or even if it's not big but kind of covert, then we're going to attack and go towards how to help them cope with those emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's kind of a couple of factors. One, you said, how do we help them stop that? stop going down that path. Mm -hmm. And one of the, in order to do that, I think a lot of, of the work is around, um, for the child, it's understanding their own emotions, being able to recognize how they're feeling in the moment. Um, but this is a process, you know, um, self regulation is something that develops over the lifespan, even into adulthood.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, and School-age kids and younger really don't have that full capacity for self-regulation or or, um, self-management, and they need us to work with them. And so what I consider that is as co-regulating. We're working as a team and and helping them get calm and get regulated um, in a difficult situation, much as you would with a baby. We do it really naturally with babies. You know, the baby's crying, and we go toward them. We soothe. We help them get calm. So there's this nice dance. Right. A co-regulation. And that actually needs to progress throughout um, as we're scaffolding and helping kids learn to get their own emotions um, under control when they're feeling overwhelmed. So that's one piece working on uh, the emotional identification, understanding feelings, um, working as a team. So that co-regulation. Another piece would be modeling. So what am I doing as a parent? What am I showing my child about feelings? And nobody's perfect. I'll be the first to admit, you know, I have, my lid goes up sometimes. I find myself yelling and having my own adult tantrum. But then I go back and I tell my child, that wasn't the right thing to do. Mm. I'm sorry I yelled. And so then I'm modeling reparation, you know. Mm. Um, but if we also practice our own self-management and we're we're modeling day in and day out, of how to handle frustration, how to handle disappointment, how to handle situations that maybe don't go the way we wanted them to, in a calm way, and we're using coping skills and we're telling our kids that, then they're going to pick up on some of it. And it's going to to, to resonate more with them. Um, and then it'll be a reminder when you're coaching them in the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You That's know, awesome. it seems, we talked about being older and being a grandparent earlier, that I guess, just tolerance that you learn over time uh, with age and stuff, but that many times it's probably a lot easier for a grandparent to come alongside in that capacity than it is for a parent.
0: Yeah, I would say so. I think that little bit of distance can be helpful and that they maybe don't have quite as much of an emotional investment. Not, not that they're emotionally invested, but investment in the behavior being a certain mm-hmm. way. Um, yeah, I agree. I think grandparents can stay a little calmer and more regulated in a difficult situation. Overall, there's always outliers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's a fascinating topic. And, you know, I think about, you know, we've, we've got, uh, our youngest is uh, seven, but definitely still has those meltdowns and flipping oh, your yeah. lid moments for sure. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's sometimes I, r- I realize as a parent, I I don't want to take the time to really help them self-regulate. I just want to. there. I'm thinking about I've got all this to do right now. <laughs> yeah. I just want a quick fix. Yep. And it's not always. There's not just a quick fix, right? A lot of times you yeah. you do need to kind of. Be able to spend a little time to help them through that process. Usually, I'm sure. there's not
0: a quick fix. I yeah. wish there was. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could. I was I could wave my magic wand. And it would right, be like right,
2: yeah. You know, and I, and I think you know sometimes, you know, I think maybe some. There's probably some negative uh, self-regulate. Maybe you know, I know technology. Sometimes we could probably overuse that because mm-hmm. kids nowadays, when they're like six months old or growing up with iPads and all that kind of stuff, so that can maybe be a temptation as a parent to maybe rely too heavily on something else to kind of constantly occupy the child. Yeah, Is there a place for that sometimes or what's, what's kind of the right balance even of finding the right thing to, I mean, what if something like that does calm them down? You know, how do you, how do you kind of manage maybe some of that too?
0: I think everything has its place. And, and of course there's going to be times where, you're you're in a public situation perhaps and you know there could be dangers if the child is really dysregulated and having a tantrum laying on the floor or in the middle of the parking lot for example you know and so those the way you respond in those kind of situations might be look a little bit different um but you would know your goal you know that you're working towards which Mm -hmm. is practicing these skills and helping your child practice the skills so they can be better self-managers over time. Yeah. Um, so, though, some of the techniques that we we can talk about, you can use even when you're setting a, a firmer limit to protect them. Like, yep. I hear that you're really upset that you, you know, didn't get to take that cookie with you from the grocery store, but you can't lay down in the middle of the parking lot. You're going to get run over. So, I'm going to keep you safe and carry you to the car, kicking and screaming.
2: Yeah. So, you're kind of validating that emotion. <laughs> Um, but then also, you know, helping to realize, but we can't.
0: We can have the tantrum in way. the car, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, let's yeah. get to a safe But you're kind of still hearing him like, yeah. I see, I see this emotion. I see what's happening in you. I yeah. acknowledge that.
1: You know, so as an adult, um, and I'm sure that you probably studied some of the the EQ concept, your emotional quotient, yeah. uh, in your in your studies. But I think about that and think about how that um, if we can take can take that into consideration with our children that we're wanting to do whatever we can to raise emotionally healthy kids, that it's going to allow them to uh, go much further in life. I mean, the studies have been done that compare the IQ to the EQ, and actually the EQ has more to do how you regulate yourself, how you respond to your success in life than Mm -hmm. IQ.
0: Yeah, I would agree that's absolutely true. Uh, Emotional intelligence and social intelligence, Mm -hmm. both of those interpersonal skills and emotional skills are more predictive of long term success. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
0: this is a really important topic. I agree and what I'm passionate about.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, one of the things we love to get to do with our guests is to get real practical. Okay. And, you know, I know I couldn't help but notice. And if you're, you're listening, uh, uh, Dr. Pasqua brought some really fun looking props over here. We'll try to describe those a little bit, but <laughs> I know she brought some props. Um, maybe walk us through some, maybe some real life scenarios that maybe parents run into with their young kids and maybe some techniques uh, that might be helpful that we could put into practice if you don't mind.
0: Sure. So as parents, I think in terms of the response to an already challenging situation where the emotions are high, the lids are flipped, people are freaking out, um, first things first is that we have to regulate ourselves because if we go up, our kids go up you know, and they're just going to respond. So if we're yelling, then they're going to yell louder (laughs) and they're going to cry more. So a great step to both to model and to start the process of calming the situation is to do so for yourself. Um, Take a break, walk away, take some deep breaths, splash some water on your face, um, you know, do a little bit of quick mindfulness, whatever works for you as a parent to start calming yourself and bringing your own lid back down so that you can return to the situation more patient with a little bit higher capacity um, to respond sensitively and calmly. Um, and then if you want to be helping your child to get calm, the very first thing that you that I find helpful to do is to label the child's feelings. So the concept I was talking about with the flipping the lid is um, it comes out of uh, Dan Siegel and Tina Payne Bryson's work on interpersonal neurobiology, so the science of relationships, um, and they wrote a great book on this topic that's really parent-friendly. It's called The Whole Brain Child, and so one of the te- techniques they have in the book um, is one that we used a lot already, but I love they 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 put a, a, a label on it that's really easy to remember. So they say, name it to tame it, and that basically means you see your child's upset, you're gonna name what you think their if their emotion is, um, and it might look something like this. I I usually tell parents you, you kind of pretend like you're a sportscaster, like you're narrating what you see. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, little Billy, I see that you're really frustrated. You can't get those Legos to go together the way you mm-hmm. want them to go. You're really feeling frustrated. Oh, I can see your hands are balling up, and you're. Face is all grumpy. Oh wow, that must be really hard. I know it's tough. So you're narrating what you see. You're narrating their emotional experience. You're helping them make this connection between what happened that they're struggling with and the feeling that that mm-hmm. comes with it. Um, which over time and practice will help them with their emotion vocabulary. It'll help them begin to realize, you know, those feelings in themselves when they're beginning to occur because they get in touch with that internal state. Mm-hmm. Um. And then it just helps people feel seen, you know? Doesn't it feel good when someone yeah. says, "I get it." You know, "I see you're sad. That's hard." Yeah. Instead yeah. of "Oh, you're okay. You're fine. Just suck it up."
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I I love there's the I love the teaching your kids, like you said, giving them that mm-hmm. vocabulary Um, helping them to connect the way that my body's feeling and responding Mm -hmm. to this event. Like you said, frustrated about the Legos or whatever, connecting that. But then what a great word for even as as adults, you know, I mean, if somebody, for instance, is grieving, um, so many times we, um, I mean, even, you know, we're pastors at a church and sometimes even Christians can be too quick to just point out a Bible verse, just believe that. Okay. You're fine. And we, we skip over the emotion, like (laughs) like how hard this is just to sit in that emotion with them is what they need from us right then. It's the best thing we can do. So it's a really great word.
0: Yeah. Just to help them be seen
2: and heard,
0: validated, but the name it to tame it. It's really easy way to remember it. it.
2: Okay. So in the moment as
0: a parent, what am I supposed to do? All right. Name it to tame it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So frustrated was one of the, that was a specific one you gave in that example. Right. So I'm sure that is a, is a common one. Oh yeah. That can come yeah, up a lot. You're mad. Yeah. You're mad. frustrated. Yeah. You're yeah. sad.
0: You're disappointed. You're embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes we see acting out behaviors mm-hmm. from other negative emotions like anxiety or embarrassment
2: yeah. and that yeah. might be
0: what's really underneath.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. So tell me about, so, uh, Tell us about one of your your props. Yeah. 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 What do you have here?
0: So um, one of the things that I think can be really helpful for families who are working on these skills at home is to put together a little coping box. Okay. Um, So just any kind of box. You can even have the child decorate it, put stickers, whatever they, you know, make it theirs. Um, And fill it with different things. I like to hit different senses. So um, tactile, It might be something squishy. Like I have this... um, Well, it looks like a big mouth, a squishy mouth. (laughs) Uh, But it's basically kind of a stress ball thing. And it actually has a smell. It smells like cupcakes or something. So it kind of hits (laughs) two senses at once. Um, Kids usually really like this. And when they're frustrated or upset, they can just squish it really good. So having something like that in there could be helpful. I have another tactile thing. This one's really popular. It's kind of like um, a slime ball with netting around it. And when Mm -hmm. you squeeze it, then little slime... Pieces come out, and this is it's, it's kind of hard to do, so it also gets at some of the proprioceptive input, and so you really have to give it a good mm. squeeze. Um, but the kids love this one a lot, too.
2: You mind if I try it? Yeah, that, that I'm <sighs> saying that, that looks like pretty a fun awesome. toy, it is really You <laughs> <It fun. laughs> may not live with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, we gotta we, give it back to keep that one. <laughs> oh,
0: that's a pretty fun one. Um, So some things that might be kind of hit more on a visual, I have this uh, clear ball filled with glitter. We call it, I just call it the glitter ball. And it's kind of fun. You can shake it and then watch the glitter swirl around and settle down. And similarly, this one I bought maybe at Target. But similarly, as you can actually do this as an activity. And this is really fun. You can make a calming jar. Um, Just any jar, any plastic clear water bottle would work. Um, I buy these jars on Amazon. They're like juice jars or something like that. But um, it's a great activity that you work with a kid. You can fill it with glitter, glitter glue, water, and then um, put the lid on and you shake it up and all the glitter swirls around. Mm-hmm. And it's a great calming activity because then once the glitter is going, you can practice taking deep breaths and modeling that as the gl- and watching the glitter fall. So it's kind of like a mindfulness activity where you're really practicing being present and doing the deep breathing at the same time. So that's a fun thing to have. Um, I have another one for visual, which is, I don't even know how to describe this thing. Um, yeah. How would you describe it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like oil runs work. down in little bubbles. It's pretty fun to watch. Yeah, uh, different colors. Again, it's yeah. kind of soothing just to watch that go down. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a fidget spinner.
2: Oh, yeah. You could
0: put in Play-Doh. You could put in um, essential oils like on a little pillow. You could put in gum for that tactile chewing input or... Uh, chocolate or candy, really the, 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 it's really limitless, you know, Uh, songs, music, et cetera.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you could use this little uh, kind of coping box that you could put together. So when you're sitting down to, you got the name of entertainment, but maybe while you're having that conversation, you could put like the stress ball or something in their hand to kind of, and they're squeezing it, they're kind of doing something tactile. And then you're having that conversation with them is that kind of how you would put something like this to use or um
0: I would probably spend more time doing the validation and Mm -hmm. narrating their experience and then I might offer offer like uh, would you like you know a hug would you like to use your something out of your coping box um if once they start to kind of come down a little bit but when they're really the lid is really up they're they're not hearing you
2: yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that this, the coping box would kind of come in yeah. after you start to kind of step, get them. Step calm two. Right. Yeah, step or two. when yeah. you
0: recognize your child was starting to get upset, but they mm-hmm. hadn't already totally up uh, okay. their lid. That's a really good time to start using these yeah. techniques.
2: That's really good. That's yeah. really good. And you had a couple, uh, was there a, one of those books? I noticed you brought some books. Yeah. Are there Yeah, well, I love to helpful? use books with young kids.
0: Yeah. Um, kind of as you were mentioning the EIQ, it's a great way to start working on mm-hmm. emotional identification. So I, this is called Bibliotherapy, but you can just buy these books anywhere. So I have books about all different kinds of feelings. Some of the ones I like are Wilma Jean, The Worry Machine. Uh, she's a girl that has worries about everything, just ah. everything. Um, when Miles got mad, it's a classic story about a little boy who is mad at his brother for breaking his toy. Um, this one is always really popular with kids. Moody Cow Meditates. Uh, the moody cow gets really angry. He has a very bad day and eventually breaks um, the window at his mom's house. <laughs> so his grandfather comes in and teaches him some strategies to calm down.
2: Hmm. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's I have awesome. a book
0: called Visiting Feelings, which is just kind of general about all different kinds of feelings. The series is called The Way I Feel books. There's a variety of different ones. When I feel sad, when I feel angry, mm-hmm. when I miss you. These are really great for very young kids. So our preschoolers, yeah. um, really simplistic concepts, really simplistic ways that they can learn to cope. Um, just a lot of different fun ones.
1: Yeah. So and my I, wife's a retired teacher. She's yeah. probably heard of some so of these. Yeah. But I kind of feel like on the other end, being the old person here, I ask y'all about stuff all the time on staff that have you ever heard of this? And y'all never know what I'm talking about. Because it was before y'all <laughs> <already laughs> even born. Right. <laughs> right. So I feel on Sorry, the other man. end of that now. I don't yeah. know any of these books. Yeah. They look
2: great. Those are awesome. I, I think uh, yeah. you know, it'd be great to uh Um, at the end of this episode to be able to list some of those on our website, because I think, you know, those are just great practical things. I mean, my child loves to read. We're reading all the time. So to have some books like that too, to use would be awesome.
0: Yeah. And just making Uh, it a part of your routine. So it mm -hmm. doesn't feel threatening. Yeah. You know, that we're like, you have problems with anger. So now we have to talk about anger. Yeah. Just making it generally. a normal day. It's part of our rotation. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You're teaching them. That's, that's really awesome. Well, we're going to start bringing in for a landing here. Mm -hmm. Um, Wally, any takeaways uh, for you today, or any uh, any wish, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I wish I knew this
1: stuff yeah. when I was younger. kids But as a grandparents, we talked about you know yeah. I can still yeah. have a huge part uh, by coming alongside my kids and their kids
2: uh, in the process.
1: So grandparents are a great resource. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, most most definitely. And for me, I just think there's some really great immediate application. Like I said, I think even as a dad spending even more time than I have been with my seven-year-old. And I'm, I'm listening to that capacity idea of uh-huh. uh, recognizing that. And uh, thank you for these practical ideas. Okay. I think putting together a little uh, coping box would be a great thing uh, cool. for him. And, and I mean, I, I'm am a I'm a dad that's got kids of various ages. I've got teenagers as well. And I think, uh, oh, there's still like things, too, yeah, me. I, I just, I could see <laughs> them, maybe their vocabulary is getting more complex mm-hmm. with what they're feeling, but, but this is
0: popular even with my teens. They yeah. love to make a calming jar. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yeah,
2: that's pretty cool. The glitter, so, the glitter bottle. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of takeaways for me too. And Dr. Pascal, anything, just a, a final thought from you, a final word that if you've got parents listening, just a, a final little thought on this topic as we wrap up today or.
0: I would just say to parents to be gentle with yourselves that this is parenting is the hardest job. It's Mm. definitely harder than anything else I've ever done, going to grad school, being a psychologist, any of it. Mm. Um, And we're not going to do it perfectly. Mm. And that's not what it's about. It's really about having good intentions, loving your child, showing up for them and doing the best you can.
2: I love that a good word of hope because, man, if it was for perfect people, oh boy, <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble. So, well, hey, what a great conversation. Uh, Dr. Pasqua. I really, really uh, appreciate taking the time to, to talk with us. If, if there is uh, people listening that wanted to learn more about sure. some of these topics or wanted to connect with you, Mm-hmm. What would be a good way to do that?
0: They could just visit our website connectionschildandfamilycenter.com. dot com. Actually, it's connect- actually connectionsfamilycenter dot is the website. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Well, uh, hey, we want to thank you for joining us uh, on this episode of Equip. Equip uh, Online is a partnership between Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy. Mosaics of Mercy is a nonprofit here in the Montgomery County area. Uh, their desire is to to really be a uh, a mental health resource hub for our community. And so they've got a lot of great information about support groups, counselors, things like that. So we're excited about that partnership. Uh, we'd also encourage you to go visit our Equip website. It's EquipOnlinePodcast.com where we have... Uh, episodes. We've got resources, uh, some next steps that we, we can recommend on there. Um, and uh, that's it for today's episode. We want uh, just to leave you with this thought. Uh, we pray and hope that you will walk in the fullness of life that you've been created for.